It's 4 o'clock on a Monday, you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Woohoo! Starring this week's incredibly special guest star, Kano! Also, I, do you ever go by Marcus Cohn except on your birth certificate? Yeah, that's my writer name. Kano's my artist name. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, let's make sure that I've got us. There we are. Okay, we are good to go. Anyway, uh, I am incredibly thrilled and grateful to have you on the show today because you might be the busiest man in show business. Uh, who was it? James Brown held that title before you were born, and I think you might have scarfed it from him. Anyway, Kano's a critically acclaimed multi-genre artist and producer from the great city of Philadelphia, whose talent has made an impression all over the music industry. Since 2001, he's been a professional recording engineer. Yeah, hold on. That gets a little applause. <laughs> Professional recording engineer with his own studio and production company, writing, recording, and producing, and mixing for upcoming artists as well as legends like Earth, Wind, and Fire, Carly Simon, Neil Diamond, yay, uh, Justin Bieber, BB Winans, Kenny Loggins, and many more. Uh, Kano began writing for Sync in 2016 after joining Taxi, which turned out to be life-changing. I didn't write that. He did, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Now his songs and instrumentals are heard all over film and TV, shows like Empire, Power, All-American, Cobra Kai, which I know is like your favorite show of all time, uh, Good Trouble, Young and the Restless, and hundreds more. Um, his music can also be heard on major ads for companies like Samsung, AT&T, Honda, Yamaha, Marshalls, and more. He is the ultimate one-stop shop in the music industry. Yay! Here, more applause. You know me, I've got buttons in front of me, I've got to do something with them. Um, anyway, thank you for, for joining me today. Um, I know that you've got a lot of fans in the taxi uh, taxi verse, as it were. Um, and I want to talk to you about that phrase that you used in your bio, which I, I didn't ask you to put that in there, but you said uh, the ta joining taxi was life-changing. How so? Absolutely. Uh, joining Taxi was incredibly life-changing because, uh, as the buyer said, I was a recording engineer for a long time, and in the, li in the life that I was living, there was only so many hours in a day. Um, I had sort of envisioned that dream of recording people all day long and not having to work another job, and when I was doing that full-time, I was enjoying it. After a while, I sort of realized I didn't dream much further than that. That was sort of the where where it stopped. I, I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing that, and I started losing sort of the passion for it. Hmm. And right around then, my second son was born, and my mom and my brother split a taxi membership for me. Um, we had been seeing the listings. I've been getting the listings for a long time, and really, you know, wish I would have pulled the trigger sooner. But they got me the membership, and that completely changed my focus to sync it got it i was having fun making music again there was a purpose in it uh and it just made the whole process it, it sort of started again it was like a, a rebirth into the music industry again i'm getting a lot of people saying your volume is really low and i've got you maxed out on my end i mean i've okay. got you yeah, yeah, I 
I would say like 20, 30 percent more. A little closer. There we go. How's that, everybody? I can't see the chat. I don't know where I would be able to see the chat. Yeah, and if you go to the channel that's got the chat, you're going to create an audio loop anyway. So okay. I'll just relay anything intelligent yeah. uh, that comes out of there, which Casey cool. says I'll that. Say, I'll stay close. Thank you. Casey says that you're the reason that Taxi, or he's the reason Taxi was life-changing, was you met him. <laughs> as soon as I met Casey, Casey lived five minutes away, and I met him in L.A., and it's great. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, anyway, you know, I was going to get into this a little farther down the road, but I remember meeting you and your mom at the first road rally, and I thought, I don't know too many musicians who in their, at the time you're probably mid thirties, would want to work with their mom. And then I met your mom and went, oh, um, she's an extremely capable, um, really smart uh, ball of energy and wisdom. And once I got to know her for five minutes, I went, oh, it's obvious now uh, why they are business partners. How is it working with your mom? It's like, do you get sent to your room if she doesn't agree with you on a lyric choice or something? Or are you guys, I, I couldn't have done that with my mom. So how do, how do you make it work? Uh, it works because I have an incredible respect for what she does and what she did before I was doing it. Um, I watched her do it way before I was in the industry. I got into the industry because of watching how incredible she was at what she did and how she adapted from songwriter to performer to uh, advertising. And, and there was never a, a, oh, well, you know, this, the industry went this way, so I'm done. You know, there was never an excuse to stop making music. So uh, I never made an excuse to not make music. So I never did the, I'll do a regular job and do music on the side. It was uh, very much supported by her guidance and her expertise. So. The, the the partnership happened years later because I asked her to go into this with me as partners, whereas before it was, you know, she was doing the advertising. I was recording, you know, doing records and live shows and things like that. So we were in totally different ends of the world. But coming to get sync brought us together, you know, writing for sync and writing to was the first thing that got us to start working together, bringing our expertise together. Um, in, in, in everything that we learned over our career. So she would do local, uh, like jingles for local car dealerships or pizza parlors, anybody that wanted a jingle, right? That was her thing. And she was also like, I remember seeing a video of your mom in like a slinky sequin gown doing jazz standards at a club or something. It's like, wow, she's the real deal, man. Um, yep. So how much of her knowledge in working with clients, trying to create music that fit their needs, came into play when you started doing sync together. I mean, what a tremendous advantage because most people don't figure that out till they're like six months to a year into it. Uh, it did. It did come in handy a lot. There was a ton of expertise on on not just um, creating for clients, but creating for ads and understanding how to make something happen in a short amount of time, which a lot of supervisors were re are you know really big on and how to you know make 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 your point heard through music and leave space for dialogue and there's there's so many techniques that people think and and a lot of times I you know I can't say I implement these techniques on every song but I mean being able to think about things like this is going to be used with dialogue is is important 
and and not everybody is thinking about things like that or how to how to make make it stand out within the first 10 seconds because you're trying to grab the listener's attention or really how important a lyric is even when you think it's being played in the background um how it can it, you know all those all those things are are paramount in writing for sync as well so really really good observations and uh it's kind of amazing to me <sighs> I understand all musicians have to love their own work and be proud of it and married to it. But there are a lot of people that still don't understand that in the sync world, it's about making music that works with the scene. Your music is never the star or it's, it's extremely rare that the music would be the star. So, wow, you were um, born into a family that had that knowledge as you started. Very, very fortunate. Um, what was your timeline? Okay, so you made the decision. We're going after Sync. You came to that first rally. Uh, as I, I said in my notes for the show, your level of enthusiasm was like off the charts, man. You were like, on one hand, you didn't want to leave the rally, go home. On the other hand, you couldn't wait. You were just champing at the bit to like, get me on that plane, get me home, Let, get me back in my studio. I mean, literally, I don't think I've ever met anybody as enthusiastic face-to-face -face at a rally as you were. I will remember that for the rest of my life. What was step number one after you landed, took a shower, brushed your teeth, and sat in the chair that you're in now? Funny enough, after that first rally, the first order of business was I started writing a song with Jeff Walker, AKA Rhymecology, who was teaching a class there. And we met and hit it off and started banging ideas back and forth together at the bar and you know the first thing i did when i got off the plane was sat down at the dining room table and started writing a song that ultimately is on an album that's released now so that was the first order of business but r realistically it was cementing the relationships that were formed there and taking home what I heard, what I met from people, the mentors, the library owners um, that I got to, you know, it's, it's insane to think of that you can sit down in the lobby and talk to someone one-on-one -on -one that is looking to sign your music. That's, they're the one that's signing the music. So if they're the one signing the music and they're telling you what to do, it's, that's the formulas there for you already. They're telling you what they want. You just go, you just go do that. So I was excited to have a direction and it not just be, uh, you know, and, and not feel random or feel like I was throwing something against the wall. It, it, it felt like I was, I was, I felt ready. Like that first rally made everything feel ready. It was, it was time to go. Maybe that's the biggest difference. Uh, tell me how you feel about this, but going from that mindset that we've all grown up with over the last several decades before sync became common amongst independent musicians, everybody had this mindset. I just got to write the best song. I got to create uh, the best music and they would do it in an artistic bubble or vacuum. Like all I have to do is just sit down, wait for some inspiration and create. A lot of people um, have negative associations with kind of writing to order. It's like you you want mushrooms and green peppers on your pizza. Um, how do you feel about all that? Do you ever feel stifled or like corralled into you know regimented? You have to do exactly what I want, not what you feel as an artist or creator. No, it was unbelievably fun for me because at, at that point I had you know, quote unquote, given up sort of the artist dream, like 
18, 17, 18, 19 years old when like the, you know, the record deal fell through that I had. And, you know, I, I thought that I knew what I was talking about. And uh, that when I stopped that and started recording and producing, I had sort of given up that I was an artist. So the fun of writing for briefs to me was extremely refreshing. And uh, oftentimes I've told people, I think artists sometimes are more corralled than in the sync world because wow. The, the three of the songs I wrote this week, if I would have been like a recording artist, and I brought them to my label. They were like, you're out of your mind. I had a, I had a request <laughs> that was last minute. They needed it the day before that asked for a song listing names, as many names as I could list. Wow, that's the first I've ever heard of one of those in all the years Me I've too. been doing this. Me too, hence the fact I didn't have one laying around. So I did, I did it really fast, but you know, it wasn't the most like, wasn't the greatest lyric in the world, but it was written to order and it was fun. And I never would have been able to bring that to a label and be like, this should be on the album. Um, <laughs> and, and I have I have albums on on my you know artist page. I have like 10 different albums and they're all varying genres and 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 vibes and moods. And I didn't have to clear that with anybody. And I didn't have to you know make sure that it fit the the perfect trend of what's happening next or something like that. I can listen to something and, and I talk about the references from Taxi all the time. You get three references, you master how to take a vibe from each of the three. And that's that's incredible fun Like to, to be like, oh, I really love the way they use strings in this one. Or And the 808 is grimy in the second one, but in the third one, the drums are really clean. So I can use a little bit of all three of that. And it's just unbelievable fun and, and it's not there's nothing corralling about sync unless you unless you make it that way. The options are open. Everybody needs everything. I what you just said is pure gold about the way you look at the references. Um, for newer taxi members, they're intimidated when they listen to the references or confused. It's like, well, which one do you want it to sound like? Well, nobody wants it to sound like any of them. It, it's about catching the vibe. Well, what does the vibe mean? In my world, I would say the vibe is happy or sad, uplifting or not, uh, major chord, minor chord, sevenths, minors. Look for commonalities among the three, and the vibe is this overall picture. Would my thing that I'm going to create fit on a playlist with these other things and sound like it's part of the playlist or a foreigner, an inter musical interloper? So. Um, and it's cool that you mentioned the drums, you know, it's like the 808s, you want a clean or grimy, um, man, sometime I'm going to hit you up to write a little article uh, for the taxi newsletter on how to approach um, references, although I, I'm sure it's different with each listing and each set of references, but that's really important information because people are stifled, they don't it's like, why do you want me to write something? It sounds like Michael Jackson's killer. We we don't. We want the same spirit that his vocal has. Yeah, right. Listen yeah. to the sonic. It's that's the fun of the references to me is sonically. You can sort of turn off the uh, uh, really critical brain and just listen for sonics, and 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 that's what makes. Uh, that's how you can get out of your box because you these aren't they may not be songs you would listen to in your car they may not be songs you would listen to in your free time but when you turn off that brain of this isn't what i listen to um you can listen to the sonics you can understand how uh artists now are using similar techniques to disco but if you a bead something played 
something made in 2023 and something made in the 70s with the same four on the floor beat, you're going to hear sonic differences. Right. And that's, okay, I understand now what's going on with this kick drum. I understand now how they're using synths that they didn't use then, but the, the, I, I get it. Or you say Thriller. Okay, I get what you've said. You've said it. It should sound like the, if the song comes on after Thriller, you don't go, what is this? Right. <laughs> Just okay, and you shouldn't even you shouldn't even look up. It should sound like it's uh, right on the playlist. Uh, fun fact, not that it has anything to do with the interview, but because we're both engineers, uh, one of the backgrounds I've used for years on Taxi TV was done at Westlake Audio, where they recorded Thriller and much of the other Michael Jackson stuff. And I was there for a video shoot where I was being interviewed. I, uh, whoever was interviewing me wanted to do it in the studio, so I called a friend of mine who owns and runs Westlake. We're sitting in the room when it's all done and the guy's packed up his video gear uh, my friend says to me you want to listen to thriller in here and i went uh yeah so i got to sit in the room where it was done in the control room and i listened to it on oratones i listened to it on genlex i listened to it they had a pair of jbl 4311s which at some point in my career room my go-to monitor before i started working on NS10s and then NS10s. So I got to hear it on like four different types of monitors. And then the big Westlake audio things that make your your shirt rattle with every kick drum beat, which I kind of love, but that's why I've got tinnitus. Uh, anyway, and then during the interview, I looked up and I saw a pair of JBL 4311s mounted in the ceiling behind the engineer position blowing down at the floor. And I said, why? And they said, well, MJ would come in the control room for a playback on the last vocal he did, and his back hurt so much he'd lie on the floor and he wanted the speakers blowing at him, not over him. So we installed some in the roof. And if you look in the vocal, they have like a grand piano slash vocal booth in that room. Same thing, JBL 4311s mounted in the ceiling. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Incredible. Anyway. Uh, yeah, and I've got to tell you, it, you know what? Next time you're going to be in L.A. when it's not like rally time, if you can give me a week heads up, I'll call them and see if we can sneak in that room and, and just hang out, like have a pizza and a beer and listen to it in that room. Uh, that would be yeah. amazing. There, there's no, like I, I've after that, I listened to it on my best headphones, like from a CD, and it was still great, but not even close. Anyway, that was thank you for letting me interject that completely irrelevant stuff. Um, any advice on uh, do people need to think strategically when they're creating music? You already alluded to that a little bit, but I think that if people maybe gave more forethought, well, what's this for? What's the ultimate use? What would make it work better for them? Do you have any sort of mental checklist for strategic things before you start writing? Well, uh, especially as it got further in and probably should have been something I was doing right away, I try to think about multiple placement opportunities. Um, you know, very often something specific comes up, like I just said, and that's that's a little different. But if I'm writing for a vibe or if I'm writing for a show and it's not a direct brief or I know, you know, I'm sending a group or something like that, I'm trying to think about multiple placements, how it could get used over and over again. So that that's what brings lyric into play and and title into play something that could be gone to over and over again uh there's a show that a lot of us write for that had a rooftop bar scene for a while and i titled a song to the roof and <laughs> I knew exactly why i was doing that i did it completely on purpose 
and it got played multiple, multiple times because I made it easy for the supervisor to go, yeah, 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 right. I'm on the yep. roof. I know. He's on the roof. I'm on the roof. We're good. And it doesn't mean you could, I don't mean to make it that specific, but yes, that's strategic where I'm trying to think of something that a, a, a supervisor would drag in a lot or something that could also work for, you know, for an ad. So uplifting is good. And I'm, I am always thinking strategically with, with, a, with a sync song because there's, it's their investments. It's like saying, you know, do you think about your investments or do you just throw money at the wall? <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you, you do. You know what show you're writing for. You know what library has better shows. You could, there could be a library that is loving everything you're doing, but they don't really have any shows that use that music so you're getting a good ego boost by getting a bunch of songs signed to a library, but there could be another library that if you just signed one of those over there, they've got, you know, yeah, it's just thinking strategically and, and understanding. That's why rally again is so important because you get that inside info of what everybody does and what their specialties are. And you can ask them specifically. Uh, I also watch the trades, even though I don't create music or, or pitch to any of the libraries, but I want to keep up on what our clients or library clients are doing so that we can reach out to them strategically on the behalf of our members. So if I'm watching the trades and I see that a certain show has been canceled and I know that one of our you know top 25 library clients, probably 50% of all their placements have been in that show for the last seven years that it's been on the air, I'll reach out to the owner and say, what's going on? Uh, I hear that blah, blah, blah has been canceled. Do you guys have any big shows coming up? Uh, because I want to know, like, if somebody were, I'm trying to, you know, Kardashians, it's always my, my go-to show. I don't know why, because I've only watched it twice in my life, I think. But if you know the library gets a lot of, like, dramedy placed in a show like the Kardashians, and the Kardashians is going off the air, that library is going to be toast for that category. What other shows do they work with? Do they have any new shows that are starting up with the producers of the Kardashians? Are they moving to a new thing? So just immersing yourself in the industry, in the TV industry, helps you think strategically without being so calculated about it. It's more instinctive, I think, at that point. Huge part of it. And the Kardashians is a good example because when it moved to Hulu, it uses a completely different library of music now than it did when it was on E. And a lot of us wrote for the Kardashians. So it definitely did jump to a whole different and they started using totally different music that most of us did not have music in their library so can you yeah. contrast the type that they used before when it was on e and what they would use now on hulu uh, what styles have gone away which ones have emerged i think they used many more instrumental cues strung together and now it's a lot more vocal songs and a lot more songs that sound like they're a song that you know but they aren't um they're like oh you know, really, really high quality vocal songs that are Shazamable and things like that. So it, it's 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 not that it they just were like like typical reality shows. They were stringing together tons of instrumental cues, and they it's it changed a little bit to more vocal songs. Um, I've noticed the, a trend going to vocal songs on reality shows on HGTV in particular shows that. Uh, my wife watches, I don't watch them so much, but um, God, there's one, I can't remember the name of it, but you know, it's one of the husband and wife redoing house shows. And oh, that one, that one. 
that one with the yeah, husband. Yeah, <laughs> exactly that one. Um, and three years ago, they used nothing but instrumentals, and it was typical library fare. And now I would say 30 or 40% of the songs they use are vocals, and it has absolutely improved the overall quality of the production of the show. It somehow feels more personable and- um, More authentic, yeah. Yeah, it's like you've become a member of the family when there are vocals involved versus yet another dramedy cue. So I think we're gonna see more of that trend, and I also think that um, fear of what AI could do to the instrumental cue industry is going to push more people towards doing vocals. Uh, Completely I, agree. Yeah, I, I can't wait. Uh, the keynote interview at the Road Rally this year is... Um, <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Taylor, why can't I think of his name? He's the president of APM. Um, totally drawing a blank. But I've got a schedule. Thank you, Adam Taylor. I was going to say Paul Taylor, but that's one of our screeners here. And I, I didn't want to say the wrong name and make a bigger fool out of myself. But anyway, Adam Taylor is the president of APM. He's also the chairman of the uh, uh, Production Music uh, Association. And I would say 30 or 40% of our interview time during that keynote is going to be on AI-related stuff. So I'm having to do my homework because I'm going swimming with the big boys on it during that hour. Um, I'm the one thing I don't know. Let's spend a minute on AI. Everybody, a lot of people who are in the know and are following it closely are like, we don't have anything to worry about because you can't create, can't copyright something written by a robot. Um, to which I say, will the networks that are putting the music in the shows care? I, what if they don't have to pay any sync fees or any back-end license stuff through the PROs? What if an editor sitting in an, a video editor sitting in his cubicle just goes, uh, you know, whatever, uh, chat GPT, uh, give me 10 options of music for this scene from this time code number to that time code number. And the music is created out of thin air versus let me hear a dramedy cue with a bassoon in it. Um, that scares me on the behalf of all of our members. I don't know that it'll go that way. I don't know that the networks will have the courage to go, you know what, PROs and people we license music from, we just don't give a damn. Um, who knows what the future will bring? So I'm gonna make sure to ask him about that. Do you have any feelings as a, uh, somebody who earns their entire living or the good portion of their living from making this music? Uh, I do. And, um, you know, I might not have, I don't have the fear. I might not have the same viewpoint as, as every one of my peers, but I do have a pretty strong viewpoint on it. I think it runs parallel to the invention of the drum machine and the fact that the drummer still exists. Um, I don't think it's going to replace songwriters. I don't think it's going to replace sync music as a whole. But I do think it's going to replace a lot of the music we already knew was too easy to make. And there was a formula to a lot of instrumental cues. All of us know that whether everyone wants to say it is fine. But there's a reason you could create 20 cues in a day of certain genres because there's sort of a formula to it. So we built the formula. We programmed it into AI. And, and now it's going to start spitting out the stuff that's, you know, it's... 
we have graduated as an industry to it, it happens in, in 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 education you know the artwork that you made in high school is not the artwork that you've refined after getting a master's degree and going through years in the music industry and learning the education from taxi and and my peers and that is it brings you to another level where that stuff you look down and you see that stuff happening there and you go i'm glad that i have figured out more than just doing that um it's it's going to replace a lot of the stuff that was easy so it's it's got there's gonna have to be a shift into stuff that's a little bit more difficult a little more creative a little more fusing you know fusing different genres and or more specific if if that's easy and they go give me three things that work for this scene then that means the library owners we know and love and the supervisors we know and love are going to be asking for more specific things that they can't create with that okay I, I listened to these none of these worked for this scene we got five of them for this scene that we don't care about but we still have this ending credits we still have this montage we still have this that i actually need a song that sounds like this artist and AI is not doing that. Um, and I, I think there's going to be weird laws. I think it's going to be funny for a while, kind of like, well, you can smoke a blue cigarette in a restaurant and then you can't anymore until you can't right. anymore. So, yeah, there'll be a while where people are going to be like running through the door and getting a bunch of stuff in before they figure out how to copyright it and no one will get paid. And then eventually they'll the same cue will show up in four different shows and BMI won't know what to do and they'll figure out a way to say, all right, we can't do this anymore. Similarly to the way... 10 years ago, loop libraries were super popular. And then production libraries went, well, you guys got to stop using loops because so did this guy and that guy and this guy and that guy. He used the same loop. And now we're starting to have issues where you, you change some stuff, but it all kind of still sounds like the same starting point that you bought to begin with. So I know that it sound, it's maybe controversial to say that, but there was a reason why libraries stopped doing that. And eventually they'll realize that this is sort of similar to that. And, and, and good... <clears throat> excuse me, good producers and good writers and good, uh, you know, creators will figure out a way to implement AI into their everyday life. And just like, you know, you invent the robot for our to serve the human. This AI is meant to make us better. It's not going to replace us. If it does, then you didn't get better when you were supposed to. All great points. Really well said. Very, you've obviously spent a lot of time thinking about it. Um, I agree with everything you said. The the thing that scares me is the speed at which governments and legislators move, that AI is moving much faster than the government will. A good case in point is obviously, uh, you know, file sharing of music, uh, which wasn't all that long ago, but they were caught completely with their pants down. And ultimately it was the marketplace that figured it out. There were some deep thinkers that predicted where it would go. A um, couple of them were right, but one of them uh, that I followed, it was part of a, a think tank, uh, like not an organ, a formal organization, but there was like a think tank of like 200 of us in the industry. Um, and it was called FO, uh, FO technically, P-H-O, because the meeting started out at a FO restaurant uh, in South Los Angeles or East Los Angeles. And the in the early days and he always his name was Jim Griffin and he always said you have to make music feel free so for if you want to stop free file sharing make it feel free and eventually bandwidth and storage caught up to the point via Moore's law that it did feel free you could pay 10 bucks a month and stream all you can eat it felt free cuz everybody can afford 10 bucks a month even if times are rough financially 10 bucks a month is not much 
<clears throat> and that's when streaming took off and file sharing is essentially no more. Why bother stealing it or sharing it if you can get it for free? So I think everything you said makes a lot of sense. AI is the bull, then just ride the bull, baby. Yep. Get on that bull and ride the bull. Make it your bull. It's, it's, <laughs> that's it. Make it your bull. Don't let it take your job. Get in there and make it your bull. It's not it's very possible. I'll tell you one area that a lot of musicians creating music for sync could definitely use some improvement on is creating better titles. And I did an episode of Taxi TV three or four months ago about using AI to create better titles and, and probably gave it 15, 20 different prompts. And I would say 70 to 80% of the titles that it gave me, ChatGPT in particular, were very usable, really good titles. So augment your own titles give it your version of the title and say give me 20 options um and you'll be surprised and you and i i think are very much in agreement on that that titles can make a huge difference yeah and it was something that i didn't do right away so uh, you know any any questions of what did i screw up in the beginning that was one of them was not care that doesn't matter that doesn't matter, doesn't matter. <laughs> what is the title matter? what does that matter that doesn't matter it really does matter and it, it could make all the difference in the world and uh artistic titles are fun and cryptic titles that maybe mean something or just one line in the song oh i'm gonna use that i've been there i've been there so many times i'm like that should be the title maybe but you know i've written songs where i start with the title a lot of the times and build the song right out of the title and just let the let the title flow naturally because that's what's going to grab um, so yeah, super duper duper important. Way more than I originally thought. Ooh, I should run a taxi listing for one of our clients and ask them for permission. Give me a title uh, that you guys think would be appropriate. Then I'm gonna use AI to suggest 20 alternates and tell our members to create music that goes with the title. That's and a I great- And I think library owners that you know would know what they, they would know those titles because they're they're, vibes there are things that they get requested for a lot i need something that feels like da 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 and it's like oh that's that's a title right in what you're asking for so it's that's yeah. a cool list actually it's a great idea i've also met some library owners that follow trends which of course any business should do and in doing so sometimes they're not familiar with the genre but they'll say give me a blah 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 genre song like xyz and we sit here scratching our heads going, well, that's not really the genre of that song, but they're following a, a, a trend. And so that's part of our job is gently making them aware that they might not be totally locked in on the genre they're looking for. So do you want the reference, do you want stuff that sounds like the reference you gave us or stuff in that genre? And they're going, oh, never thought about that. You're right, okay, go with this. So yeah. people don't see the scenes that you guys are doing to really make sure that the that you're curating correctly so that they're not going, what did you send me? This is nothing like I wanted, you know, so you, you, you that's very good. And that's, yeah, that, that I've got to say on behalf of my A&R team, um, Tom Stillwagon, Eric Anderson and Craig Pilo, um, I, I can't think of the last time that we had a client say, guys, you missed the boat. Um, and it used to happen three, four, five times in a year, maybe like five or 10 years ago. But this team of people uh, in our in our, our department are so thorough that we don't get that you missed the boat comment. And, and they deserve to be patted on the back, everybody at the road rally starting November 2nd through the 5th. 
I said to Cato before the show, come on, man, let's not turn this into a taxi commercial, although I may turn it into a road rally commercial. Oh, it's going to be a taxi ad. Um, let's talk about collaboration. Um, you are one of the kings of collaboration, maybe the uh, anointed one himself. I know you collaborate with a ton of people. Um, talk to me about how you first found out about collaboration. I mean, obviously you were aware of it before, but how, how did you get into collaborating with so many members? Tell us how you meet the people, how you go about starting a relationship, what, you know, I'll hit you up with follow-up rather than giving you 20 questions now. All right, how how do you start collaborative relationships? Well, it definitely started with the forums. Uh, collaboration is, is everything. And uh, it's, it's, started in the forums if i'm if i'm the king of collaboration then casey horowitz is definitely the lord of the forums because he, <laughs> it was there was education all within the forums and the peer groups and the, the the kindness and the the feedback was so incredible i was able to to be lucky enough to work with a bunch of people before i met them at the rally which was made meeting them at the rally so exciting um but a lot of that was through the forums and and reaching out to people who were already in taxi the matt vanderbos you know uh of of the world and and chuck henry and axel bauer and these guys that were already sort of immersed in the taxi world and i wanted to work with them and see what they were doing you know i i, I can do a lot by myself but this was this was the chance to spread out and see what everybody has their own thing and and it's that's what makes it so much more fun it's very rare that you're doing something exactly like someone else even if you're in the same genre pitching the same listings everyone's coming at something differently and and that's what makes collaboration so exciting and it's kind of sorry working on it. no go ahead go ahead, go ahead. no no uh, i stepped on you no it's just it's it's been it's been one of the biggest uh blessings about working through taxi i don't think i think if it weren't for taxi and i was able to get into sync some other type of way which i wouldn't have and that's 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 why i feel like i it's always a taxi uh ad for me and I, anybody i tell always tell about taxi because if it wasn't you I know mean, i found another way it would be a very lonely world and and it gets it could get hard like that and being able to i i mean I consider Matt Vanderbilt one of my best friends on this planet, and and it's like this: it, it being able to make relationships like that through music is incredible. And and my mom and I have gotten to work with everybody, you know, Callie J, Casey, and Candace Lake, Keith LeBrant, and you know, all, a lot of the people that you've brought through Taxi TV. You know, I, I you meet them at the rally, we start talking, we start talking ideas and what we could do. I did a song with Matt Hurt earlier today. Really? How is that? I haven't spoken to him since like 2020, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's you know, he's great. He's awesome. He's, he's not just like sitting on a mountaintop taking pictures of birds and flowers. I thought he might have walked away. He, he sent me the song. That's probably what he was doing when he sent me the song. No, he's, he's a great crazy. Guy. Crazy uh, different music, all different types. You know, you, you'd never be able to put a label on what he does. And there's just so many great people. And so collaboration is everything. It's gotten me into libraries I wasn't in. It's gotten people into libraries that they weren't in. It, it, it's it's the give back section of, and it also just puts you further ahead. It gives you more music. The idea in this is more and more and more and more and more music. So the more people you can work with, the more music you can make, 
the more emails are in your inbox for for different briefs to write to. You know, I'm loving what you're saying because it goes back to the community of Taxi, which is something I, I've always said to people that come up and pay me very kind compliments at the end of the rally or during the rally. Oh, what a great thing you've created. And I always say, I poured the foundation, I built the barn and opened the doors. The people that showed up, the you, the Matt Vanderbos, the Matt Hertz, the Casey's, all of you, you guys are the people that created this incredibly giving, supportive, non-competitive environment. And that goes to what you just said about the collaborations, because most people, I believe, who don't collaborate yet are somewhat fearful that, oh, somebody's gonna take my music and ruin it, or steal it, or do something untoward with it, whereas you guys all look at it as an opportunity for fresh ears and ideas. So thank you for bringing that up. Oh, absolutely. And I don't I don't know why that is the way it is. And maybe it's just us in the taxi bubble that get the, the wonderful feeling of getting to feel that community. I can't say I don't know if it's like that anywhere else because I'm in the taxi bubble. So <laughs> I just I know we're lucky enough to all feel like really good friends. We all talk all the time. And, and because of the rally that we, you know, we get to talk to the library owners all the time. You know, we get to have conversations with these people because we met them and they, they know us. They are us. They're a different version of us. Yeah. They love music in a different way or they used to do this and now they, they became a library owner because their catalog got so insane that now they just answer briefs, you know. Uh, it, it, they are us. So it's, it's, it's a relation. We all get to have this wonderful relationship where everybody's specialty gets to shine. Oof. That's a, that should be like the tagline for the taxi community, a place where everybody's, everything gets to shine. Uh, and I've, on the negative side of that, which I'm hesitant to bring up, but I think it's a chance to clear it up. Some people say that it's a click, uh, to which I would say, well, if it is a click, which I don't really agree with, um, it's a click a po in a positive connotation it, it's you earn your way into the click by being a, be, being a giver not a taker so if you call that a click sure if it's a click then the way in is a beer at the western lobby and you're in. <laughs> you get, what, are you, what are you drinking what are you drinking double ipa right here two two please i did that with a supervisor that you know, uh, I don't have to say his name. You know who he is. They had a baby, him, you know, they had a baby not too long ago. And, uh, you know, we talk all the time. But the, re the way we met, instead of, like, running up to him on the panel, after he was done the panel, I bought him a beer at the bar, like, a couple hours later. And we yeah. sat there and talked, and I met his wife, and we all just sat there and talked for, like, two hours. Because it's like, yeah, if it's a click, it's a click that's taking applications through beer. You know, I know exactly who you're talking about, and you just made my heart skip a beat. I didn't reach out to him for this year's rally. I remember thinking about it like five months ago when I was starting the process, and I thought, nah, it's had a, a, a rough year. There were some medical issues with one of the kids and his wife, and so basically I just backed off. He needed to deal with his life and not have me reaching out. Hey, man, you looking for anything? And that got me out of that kind of routine with him so shit I mean shoot now I feel really bad that oh man I better uh, call him and apologize he's probably glad to have a year off anyway uh, <laughs> but yeah the beer uh, it, it works and um, 
I just, you know what, there are a lot more good people in the world than people might think there are. And maybe the taxi bubble, we just got lucky that good people came into that so-called click. And they're all givers. The phrase pay it forward, which started back in the day with Matt Hurt and um, some of the early taxi success stories, it was their attitude of paying it forward. Hey, I never dreamed in a million years I'd be this successful, but now that I am, I'd like to have other people that I know and love through this click, <laughs> through this little cult that I've joined. I'm kidding, folks. I'm, I'm kidding. But um, there is a genuine desire to pay it forward, and I love it. I completely agree. I felt it immediately as soon as, you know, within the first year or two, I wanted to collaborate with people and show them the way as well and let them know that this isn't. I call it the side of the music industry that isn't so scary. There's a part of the music industry that isn't so cutthroat that isn't so I mean it's hard don't get me wrong it's not like you know it's just not evil and it's not cutthroat and nobody's out to hurt you or give you a bad contract people are so scared of contracts I know but, you know and you got talked about it with Casey the the almighty giving up your publishing you're nuts it's like it, for the song you just wrote yesterday it's nuts nobody's taking your publishing till the end of time on every song you create forever. You know, you just made a song for a brief. The, the publisher is going to pitch for you. They're doing the work. Therefore, they get, they're not taking the writer's share. Yeah, so and I've always publisher. said to people, you know what, if you think you've got a major hit for a somebody who's the top of the Spotify charts or Billboard charts, yeah, you know what? Think hard before you give up the publishing to a, a, a music licensing company for that one. But if you're creating it for sync, give it to them, inspire them to go out there and make money with your music. It's crazy. Um, okay, so going back into the whole collaboration thing, uh, do, you do you collaborate more for writing, instrumentation or vocals, or production, which I doubt that you really need a lot of help with? It's not so much like the help, it's all of the above. So I have songs that I'm the producer and I am reaching to a vocalist and I have songs that someone else is the producer like a, like Vanderbow and and I'm I'm the vocalist or uh, you know and a lot of the times the producer is the engineer so it there's there's a lot of shared credit and who's doing what but yeah it's it's definitely a mix of both and not even just collaborations but there a, a healthy dose of work for hires as well um and to, to, for people not to turn their back on stuff like that, you know, the work for hires, the collaborations in, in, in many different directions. So, and are yeah. you talking work for hire where they get a piece of something for doing the work or you're actually paying somebody to sing a vocal or play uh, a guitar part? When I say that, I mean, like, let's say Casey wrote a song, he wrote the lyrics, um, you know, John Lewitt sang the melody and the, the music's created, but they want me to sing it. So they sent me the rough and I'm gonna sing the song. So essentially I had no real peace in writing the song. So a work for hire to sing the vocals and maybe, you know, or mix it maybe, and then bring the song up to standard. And then that was my contribution as opposed to a portion of the writer's share when I usually do work for hire when I don't feel like I contributed to the song's writing. So- But that, yeah, are you doing work for hire for cash or are you doing work for hire for some sort of investment in the song nope you're an upfront fee nope, okay. nope not a percentage work for hire no that would be the that would be more collaboration so i like to have it when i'm if i have a piece of the song i contributed to the, the creation of it in some form 
Um, your brother, Ethan. Uh, I remember when you and I first met, Ethan was like killing it on the cruise ship circuit. Uh, it has obviously done that for a lot of years, and now he's become a landlubber and uh, getting involved in sync. Uh, yeah, he should call his company Landlubber Productions. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, is he working a lot with you or doing stuff, stuff solo? How's that all panning out? The, the it's, it's I love this part of it because it was like I don't know that he was like resistant for a while but because he was more in the live performance side of it and and sort of you know full band he's got a full band they do original songs it was like sync felt like a different world to him so I would always sort of try to like get it in there like oh you should do this or we should do this type of song um, and it, it just sort of was the right time and we started working on his album and I started sort of, you know, sneaking songs to him that I wanted him to sing and just really being able to help immerse him in how fun this world could be. And he just ate it all up. And first couple ones we did got placed on YNR. And, you know, once you, once you taste that, it's not, you know, you're just like, it's possible. It's possible. You go, you, as soon as you get that first placement, and I love doing that for people. I have anyone, I have a hundred percent success rate in anyone that I've brought into sync has got a placement. And that feeling for both of us is just amazing to get that text. Like, dude, I heard my song. That's so cool. Um, th that's it's, that's what makes it so great. And now we're, we're like eight, nine songs into the album and it's, super fun we're pitching songs they're they're going through you know it's it's really great to to show anyone this side of the industry and how awesome it can be uh you must enjoy that when you get a call at 10 o'clock at night from him and he asks you a question about it could be a production thing a writing thing uh, how the industry works thing and, and you've been there and done it all and he was out of that loop for a long time and now you're getting to share all that's in your head with your own brother that's got to be pretty rewarding so great it's tell me i've never met ethan but uh i hope to because you know i've met two out of three of you and the first two were pretty good so i'm looking forward <laughs> to meeting him as well um have you stopped working on music for other people i know that you've got a, a great uh, it's beyond a home studio it's a, a real pro studio it just happens to be in the home um do you still work with up and coming bands uh, or have you wound that down because you're so busy with sync? What I wound down was the recording in my studio, like sort of having people in, in my home that was daily thing, eight hours a day filled studio all the time. Mm. So that is not actually the pandemic helped me realize uh, how blessed I was and how smart of a decision it was to get into sync when I did because <laughs> I was very successful with a studio you know up to a certain extent you know there were no more hours in the day so I don't know how much further I could have gone with it but um when when the pandemic hit I couldn't have anyone in my house anymore what would have happened if I wasn't writing for sync you know if wow. I didn't have the constant you know briefs I I was so and that also led me to realize I didn't need to continue recording so much so what I did uh, in that aspect is I taught a bunch of people, you know, what gear they should get to start off and how to record themselves and send me stuff so I could mix it. Um, 
a few of the you know uh, bigger name artists I'll still work with. They still come to this house and and I will record them from time to time. But it's not a daily thing. Um, but I do still work in the record industry. I do still ghostwrite for artists. I do still write for K-pop and have a couple of singles coming out this year uh, in Korea. And um, I still mix and master for for artists in the studio. I just cut down a lot in the daily foot traffic is what I've what I've cut back. From. But I, do I remember work. you and I talked about that when COVID start, first hit. You told me you made that decision and how happy you were. Um, yes, Let's talk about K-pop for a minute. Are, are you, you? I don't want to mention any last names because people will Google and inundate him possibly. But Jan, um, for, uh, are you working with him on any of that stuff? I've worked with him on stuff before for Sync, but not for K-pop. But we are working with the same label out uh, out there. A bunch of us uh, got in, and we you know work with each other constantly. There's five or six of us, and that that, that do songs for for this label and. I think they went to Italy a couple times. Um, I know I was invited out there, and I was like uh, not able to do that. That just couldn't swing the Italy trip. But it's uh, yeah, that's that's fun. That's just it's it's any it's there's just so many options of things to do. Just don't close yourself off. There's so many so many so many fun ways to 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 make music. There's and they 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 need more music than I ever could imagine. The K-pop if, if people, sync, yeah, sync briefs coming in. Uh, there's seven or eight k-pop briefs a day and it's not just k-pop you know it's a overseas music it could be japan korea um and all different genres not just like pop but a lot of pop but they do hip-hop too which is why i've been having some success out there because there's not like a ton a ton of hip-hop writers i know terrell burt's doing really well also because he's a he's a genius uh with that stuff as well but there's yeah they they need so much music it's insane um, let's talk about K-pop specifically for a moment. Um, <laughs> so many of the requests that we get through Taxi for K-pop are just give us like American pop and then you're going to have a co-writer because somebody, you don't even have to write a lyric basically. It could be Mary Had a Little Lamb because somebody's going to totally redo the lyric over here in Korea and they become your co-writer, which is fine. They did the lyric, you did the track. Are there any sonic or musical differences between writing a, a dancey, poppy, beat-driven track for American pop versus K-pop? For me, yeah. I don't want to speak for everyone, but for a lot of the stuff I get and how I've had to tailor it, because at first I was just sending songs, um, which, you know, they want, but yeah. what, what I've tailored since then is, especially listening to the references they give and the, the bands themselves that they're asking you to write for, there's sometimes six of them, sometimes more, and they're they're maybe singing or rapping two bars at a time before they switch to the next person. So thinking about that, and instead of like writing a an eight bar verse that's like, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna get them, and then I'm gonna build in the pre. It's like, you know, like you're you're yeah. switching, thinking of it like a new guy's gonna come in. And then this guy goes, he raps and he comes in and like this. And that goes, what? Or a song for K-pop is I'm, I'm different people singing. So I have to think about different parts that way. Um, wow. I just had a thing telling me my stream disconnected, but there you are. I don't know. Yeah, weird. <clears throat> anyway, um, it, you know, it almost sounds like writing for classical orchestral stuff because it, uh, you know. It comes in, yeah. 
yeah, you know, that doesn't really follow typical song form by any stretch of imagination. But you have to think about, okay, this is where the, you know, the clarinet comes in. Here's the oboe part. Everybody's got their, their chance to dance. So that's kind of interesting. I, I Nobody has ever told me that before. Thank you. Um, good education. And another thing I'll say that I've noticed that, um, again, I don't want to speak for everyone, but uh, go going back to stuff you used to like tends to work better than trying to go to what they, you think people are going to do next with K-pop. Say that, say that again. I need that to sink in. Stuff you used to like. So like when I'm writing a song that's like K-pop, like pop, pop, I'm almost like thinking in sync before I'm thinking like, who's the next big band? I'm like, really? they seem to be, they seem to like stuff that we would think that kind of sounds like something we had a little bit ago. I don't know if that makes sense. It's not like behind, but it's like throwback to an extent. Some of the melodies are a lot less trying to figure out the next trend and more about cementing stuff, a sonic sound that you already sort of know. That's really good information. Thank you. Uh, you know, you inspired me. Uh, we get a certain number of people who've had success in the music industry in the past, maybe in a huge way, like multiple gold and platinum records. And, you know, as we all know, the industry can uh, chew you up and spit you out uh, when trends change or sounds change or maybe your well of good stuff dries up, whatever the situation is. And we get people who join Taxi and get downright upset with us. It's like, hey, man, you don't realize I had gold records? Yeah, in 1987. That was a very yeah. long time ago. And what you're doing now is not like what the industry wants. But... The next time somebody wants to join Taxi, who's got a history with like boy band or, you know, uh, mid 80s to early 90s pop stuff, I might say to them, you know, <laughs> concentrate on K-pop because you may already have the, the libraries. Sound throwback so much as there's a there's a sonic quality to it where you're like, oh, OK, I kind of know where they're going. Here. I've, I've figured this out just of writing it for a bit and seeing what works and what doesn't. And what you said makes a lot of sense, and it works for the engineering world, too, because those guys that had golden platinum records, I call them the ponytail crew. Um, <laughs> all the hair they have left is back there. And, and they had their studio for 40 years, and they got all the gear, but they never adapted to the new sound. Yeah. So figure out why they're not placing records now. It's because, well, I had gold records in 87. Yeah, well, your records still sound like you recorded them in 87. And I hear that with a lot of people that bring mixes to me, and they go, I went to the studio, it was huge, it was awesome. And in, in the room, it sounded amazing. And in the car, it sounded terrible. And I was like, well, that's a problem. Um, and a lot of those engineers don't adapt and, and, and do that. So you, you, that you made a really good point. You kind of have to, you got to grow with the times and you got to understand that you, you, it's not about chasing a trend so much as listening. You always got to be right. listening. I'm, oh, I'm, a I'm so glad you said that. I'm never like, I've got this down. I, I always there's always somebody you know that I'm inspired by there's always a song that did something sonically that I'm like I'd like to try something like that I've never tried that and with most of us that are engineers there's always a freaking new plugin that comes out and you're like oh what does this plugin do I want to buy that plugins don't sell records but knowing which plugins have been used by the people if, <laughs> if you are chasing a trend which no, sometimes plugins. you know you can't avoid um Plugins probably matter a great deal. And you're so right about listening. 
Um, I watch TV with my phone, uh, with Shazam sitting on my phone because in a typical hour of television, I'll Shazam three or four things go, wow, that's great. And I can see why they use it. I have no idea who it is. And then I want to go back after the show's over and listen to deeper cuts on that record. It's like, oh, this is a band that appeals to music uh, music supervisors. I should know who they are and, and why they appeal. So listening. Well, you have a lot in common with people that listen to my music. This is something I really love to tell people because I get thousands of views or plays a month on my Spotify all from Shazam. I don't promote music. You don't, you're not going to see me with merch. You're not going to go to my Instagram and find anything really other than some cool pictures of, you know, placements and things like that. But what I mean is I don't promote myself as an artist in any way, shape or form for me to be getting any song plays. No one should know anything about my music. And I have thousands of people listening a month from Shazam, from people going, what's that song that's on, you know, Empire. Yeah. I've, never, I've never heard. And then all of a sudden they're a fan of mine and that I love that's what I love about it. I'm not thinking it's going to bring in a ton of money, you know, streaming, but I love knowing that people found my music through through a, a show. You, you might want to consider uh, selling a little merch, at least a T-shirt and a baseball hat. If people are, are Shazamming you, they're 15% they're of the way to buy a, a T-shirt right there. That's Just saying, you know, if you can make another five or 10 grand a year from selling T-shirts and baseball hats. Just saying. Yeah, you're uh, right. <laughs> I'm only good at stuff, some stuff. Uh, sometimes we often see, uh, or something we often see from new members is that they will try and shoehorn stuff that they did six months ago, six years ago, maybe even four or five decades ago, um, and shoehorn it into current taxi listings because there's a sense of, I know it does, they know. When I talk to them after they've committed that sin, they all fess up to it. Go, I, I knew when I was making that submission, you've done it too. Wow. So address that because I, I hate to break people's hearts because they put all that time and effort into that stuff in the past. And I understand the, the burning desire to get it in something now because they've already done the work. But why doesn't that work? It was the biggest mistake I made in my first year of Taxi, for sure, next to the titling thing was... Uh, I was already a producer. I was making tracks for artists all the time. So I was like, fish in a barrel, baby. Got hundreds <laughs> of and, uh, you know, oh, hip hop brief. I was like, cool, I got 8 million of them. And it, that was the biggest mistake I made was trying to make stuff I had already for artists work for sync. And it just didn't. It just didn't. And if you want to talk about why, it's because it wasn't written for it, point blank. Once you start writing for sync, that changes a little bit. Then you can start using your stuff for a bunch of different stuff once you get it, get into that mode. But anyone I talk to who wants to get into it, I say start doing new stuff. Put the artist stuff aside, the least beats you were set, you know, putting up on beat stars and things like that. Keep them there. Work on that stuff with your artist, but write for briefs. And if you don't have briefs, Taxi sends out free briefs. So read the brief, see what the industry needs, join taxi, submit, try a couple, get the rejections. I uh, mean, we it's... talked about the rally and I got tons of forwards that first year, um, but I got tons of rejections and not tons of placements that first year, a lot of forwards, but it's like, it, it, there is an art to this. There really is. It's its own art. It's not, 
it's not what you do when your artist career didn't work out. That's like so many people say that like, <laughs> oh, you must have like had a shit artist career. And now you're writing for TV shows. What's that like? Or they go, what show? And, um, you know, uh, it, it's not something you do when you give up music. It's a, it's a totally separate arm of the music industry that very often is is run and is populated by the same level of talent as the billboard producers and the billboard charting artists. We're just on a totally different side of the equation, but it's, it's the same level of talent. You know, there's no, I see no difference in the level of engineers or producers or singers than the billboard charts. And I used to have a very dear friend uh, who I should do a better job keeping in touch with named Tony. He was like senior vice president of A&R at Universal or one of the majors. I uh, can't even remember which one now. Um, and Jimmy, he was the first guy Jimmy Iovine started when he start, uh, hired when he started his label. So he, he was um, king of the hill, but you wouldn't have known it to hang out with him. He wasn't like, you know, check me out. I'm like senior VP of A&R the label. He, he was a golf buddy more than anything. And, you know, like going out to dinner kind of friend. Every year that I had him on a panel at the road rally, every time he heard a song that he couldn't say what didn't work and what somebody should do to try and make it better, he'd go... That's probably good for film and TV because he considered that as a throwaway. And uh, it's not a throwaway. You're right. It's a completely different discipline. And for my money, it's a discipline that has longevity. Um, it may be less income than you're going to have having a massive hit record. But what are the odds you're going to have a massive hit record? And so, longevity and how long that, that, yeah. that hit record turned into a second hit record. I often believe that if I had stayed with the record deal I had when I was 18, maybe I would have had one song and I'd still be performing it. Maybe. But <laughs> I, in, and not even that, but you think about the length of time it takes for an artist to create an album, create it, get it, get it mastered, and then the label to release it in line with the other artists on the label and the right date and the right time. I've already made 60 to 70 songs, you know, like probably more in the time that it's taken wow. them to you know it's so we're, we're we're still working they're they're in the they're in there thinking and we're making music we're we, we've got more to do and that's why i often say i know how much i don't know but the pressure on that only from what what you know clients have told me but what the pressures of the artist world are like and uh so i don't mean to make it say we work harder but we work as hard that's for that's for damn sure and you know what when they're moving into a state-run home for the aging because they put that money from that giant hit up their nose and flew privately and other ways that they came up with to piss away that money, you will be comfortably retired with income still rolling in when your hands are too arthritic to even touch a keyboard. God forbid that should happen. but. That's the beauty of sync. It's an investment portfolio in your future that keeps paying dividends long after you are producing music, if you choose, or for health reasons or age reasons, whatever, can't produce anymore, you will still have the income. And while it may diminish a little bit from the right. age of 65 out to 90, so what? If you were making 160 grand a year and then next year it's 148 grand a year and the next year, you know, when you're retired, that's still great income. Um, so another thing related to my previous question um, about shoehorning stuff in, people are scared to take on 
the challenge of creating stuff for a brief that's got a three-week deadline. I can't do that, you know. Right now, it takes me a month to write a song. Um, how did you cross that chasm? I, I know you already had skills. You, um, for other people you know, like Vanderbilt, who had no skills, literally the guy didn't even own a keyboard with black and white keys when he started out. And here he is, you know, one of the kings of the hill. How do you recommend that people learn how to write and produce quickly enough to be productive and make a good living in sync? Um, you, you, have, you have to get out of your own way, for sure. Um, that, that's, that's the first thing. Um, a three-week deadline. You said that. That makes me laugh. Three-week deadline. I haven't yeah. seen one of those. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about the taxi listing. Yeah, I'm oh, sure yeah. that you get stuff where they need it tomorrow yeah. all the time. You get out of your own way. You stop questioning it. You, you get out of the, I'm going to take this into the car. I'm going to take this. You know, you, you, you just, you sort of create and go. It, it And it's crash course stuff. So you get better at it by doing it more, by immersing yourself in it and getting the feedback. And, um, you know, the libraries, will, if you're close, you know, they'll tell you what to fix. And then you get to a point where you know what they like. But I mean, I've had, you know, guys that, you know, be like, hey, can you turn the bass up another D or so? You know, so it's like, you know, but you you just get out of your own way. You don't question it as much. That's why I love it, actually. If I was if I had the time to sit on a mix, I'd be mixing one song for a week, too, for sure, because I there's always something to fix. You're going to always hear something you, you you know you could have done but uh you get out of your own way when you're writing for sync you don't question it as much you just you just go and you trust and something about that trust those of us who create like that will tell you something about that trust is what keeps the fuel going something about knowing i gotta get to the next song i have to be done by three they need it so you don't get that freedom to go i've got three weeks I mean, maybe you do, but it, it, by the time that three weeks is up, you're still thinking about the, you know, you're still thinking right. about the meat. So you, you don't have the freedom to, to take your time. So you find really smart ways to work, really fast ways to work. Really, you, you spend less time looking for a kick drum and, and make a pocket of kick drums that you know will work and you drag one in. You know, you, you stop thinking about, you know, I have eight compressors. Should I use the VCA? You, you drag in a compressor and you, you take off a DB or two and you move on to the next track. You don't, try to reinvent the wheel um you stay creative but you do it fast i mean that's just i don't know that's about all i can say i don't know um i've been trying to come up with one more panel for the virtual road rally sequels that will follow the, the in-person rally can i ask you to do a, a sequel an hour-long thing with me just on that topic of how to write and produce more quickly than you ever thought you could yeah, sure. Probably. Yeah. Awesome. You won't get paid yeah, for that either. Screen sharing type thing. Yeah, well, yeah, that would be cool. Um, so make a note that it will be on Sunday's the 5th, Tuesday's, I mean, Monday is the 6th. 7th. It'll be on Wednesday, November 8th. Okay. After 7 p.m. your time. Okay. Okay, I'm making a note. Marcus on being fast. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, that's a big hurdle for a lot of people because they're so used to working in that record brain and that old music industry thing where you could spend an entire day. God, I remember working when I was still an assistant engineer, working on sessions where my colleagues uh, 
would spend a day or two or three sometimes getting a drum sound before they'd yeah. start an album. And of course, that drum sound was just for the first song. That was a ballad. The second song was an up-tempo thing and they needed a different sound. And then they would spend a day. It's like after moving to New York and working with like Steve Gad level players on McDonald's jingles that they had 30 pieces booked into a room for an hour and 30 mm. minutes. Um, <laughs> you learn to have your sounds ready to go. You know what to anticipate and you can pull those things out and shoot that bullet in a second rather than contemplating and experimenting and wondering and second guessing, all that crap gets in the way. Experiment, you do all that stuff in your free time. You play with a new plugin while you're not creating, but when it's time to create, that's why it's very key to have good synths, good sound libraries, easy to access templates that you can just get to creating. I would love to show that because it, I do, uh, you know, my mom knows this and my brother knows this as well, but like I, if I'm creating a song from scratch, I lay down an arrangement and I know exactly where to stop that arrangement and start doing the vocals. And I know that once the vocals are done, I know what I can add back to the arrangement. You know, so there's a, there is a plug and, you know, there's a process to that. It's not just hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Um, it's, there is a, there is a process of getting the instrumental to a blueprint state writing the lyrics, recording the vocals, mixing the vocals, going back to the music, and then polishing everything off. It, it leaves less room for, what does this need here? Oh, this sounds empty. You know, by the time you're sort of zoomed out of the instrumental, you're writing lyrics. You're already in the lyric stage. Wow. I can't wait to do that with you. Um, have you earned more from instrumentals or songs, roughly, over the... Songs, Absolutely. Absolutely, 100,000%. Because and, you've got more of them or because you're getting sync fees for songs that you don't get for instrumentals? They pay more. They pay more. They just pay more. And it was it was the reason that I switched from ASCAP to BMI. Um, BMI pays double for, or ASCAP pays half, however you want to look at it, <laughs> for vocal songs. And as uh, soon as I found that out and I realized there was a difference between the two, I switched to BMI and there was a huge difference in my royalty checks after that. Um, but yeah, my, my catalog is like 90% vocal songs. Um, I was really doing mostly instrumental stuff in the very, very beginning. Um, and I realized that, and in not a comparison way, but guys like Vanderbilt will always outwork me in a situation like that. Like really creating 20 cues a day is a, is an art form that I wasn't as good at as creating a bunch of different vocal songs. It's just a different skill set that I'm much better with vocal songs. I just, I've, I seem to do better with vocal songs. There are better cue writers than I am. That's a, and, and not that I can't write cues, but there are better cue writers than I am. So I, I have a niche and it's vocal songs for sure. So I, 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 I shifted the focus to doing mostly all vocal songs and I don't really pitch to instrumental briefs or I don't really get even asked. I pitched, I actually asked <laughs> a publisher once why i why aren't you placing any of my instrumentals they were like because you do vocal songs and i was like well i guess fair enough there there we go i, they, I want you to do vocal songs i don't want you to send me instrumentals i have people for that so it's like you realize that yes that's you, you do what you do best for sure so absolutely i've made more from vocal songs and yes yeah, sync fees ads um collaborations with people like Callie J because I'm you know having great female artists to, to, to collaborate with Candice Lega you know people that can write as fast as I can and and turn around stuff like that uh, is super key and and yeah vocal songs 100 percent 
Yeah, I remember that song you and Callie did called Mask On. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get this out there. We finally get to say this, I, I, unless it's changed. No, every, it's, the first person to have a co-write with Michael Laskow on, and on BFI, right? Yeah, and the funny thing is, uh, I I had an idea during the pandemic. We were getting a lot of calls from people saying, "Yeah, you know, uh, I don't have anything." When they start doing all these movies of the week about how horrible the pandemic is, I don't have anything. What we found was nobody wanted to do um, a movie of the week about the pandemic. Although I've got to say, the morning show on uh, Apple Plus has done the best one or two episodes about the pandemic. I think they handled it as wonderfully as it could have been handled. So I had an idea about doing a song called Do It With Your Mask On, how everything in our lives now revolves around these silly masks. And I called Marcus, he goes, yeah, I'm game for that. And I said, uh, who was the artist I wanted to do it like? Uh, Lizzo. Yeah, because Lizzo was smoking hot at the moment. And he goes, yeah, let me call Callie. So he laid down the tracks of like, two hours maybe and Callie the next day I had it you know with a vocal on it and it was great we should gosh if I thought of that we could have played that on this episode but uh, anyway um, it just nobody was looking in in retrospect it was so right on the money because it it was looking at the stark reality of wearing the mask but making it fun and funny at the same time some of the do you have it i do <laughs> some of the references to like the characters in uh what was the show about the the guy oh god um cope uh, not cope okay the guy with the lions oh man it's on my other hard drive time why don't i have it here all right well everyone will hear it one time but yeah that was that was i love i i feel very proud of having that co-write with you on that, that was a, <laughs> and and i remember talking to callie about it and it was uh it was just a fun song and we really had a great picture in our mind when we were writing it so uh yeah we've got to play that for everybody and i feel bad that you guys spent time uh, you know th- this thing that i had a, a vision for uh, great song. I, I was so sure i mean you know, I know so many people in the industry and I, I just kept sending it out to people and they kept saying, don't have any need for it. It's like, really? It's the biggest yeah. thing since 9-11 and you don't have a need for a song about masks? Oh, well. Anyway, enough about that. Um, what are your favorite genres to work in, given your uh, wide yeah, range? Um, urban genres, you know, I'm pop, hip hop, R&B, um, you know, Pharrell meets Jamiroquai, you know, kind of a thing. I rap, I sing, but it's all got sort of an urban flair. I, it's R&B, pop, that okay. stuff. Um, let's see. Uh, what genres have produced the most income? Obviously, I'm working questions from paper now, but yeah, are there are the genres you're making the most in driven by what you like to produce, or by have you figured out certain genres yeah. that are or I financially? Wouldn't be, they wouldn't be making money because I wouldn't be any good at them. So the the ones that make the most money are the ones that I put time into, and I and uh, good collaborations. Callie and I have, uh, you know, we have a lot of success together, um, and hip-hop is very popular but 
you know, the 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 Y and R placements really add up. And and I will say there's a lot of flashy placements and sometimes people laugh when I tell them Young and the Restless. They're like, "Ha ha, soap opera, that's cool." Not <laughs> um, but there's there's a huge thing that once I say it, people go, "Oh, Young and the Restless has a new episode on five days a week, every week, all the time. On there a broadcast are, network versus cable or stream. other shows that do that. You could be on a fancier show at a primetime hour, and it's on once a week for a season. YNR needs new music five, five times a week, every week, all the time. And it syndicates to other countries, doesn't it? I believe so, yeah. I think wow. I get some international stuff from that, I believe, yeah. Yes, it was Tiger King. There was a reference to Carol uh, Carol Baskin, one of the characters uh, in Tiger Baskin. King. Carol Baskin made it into the song. Carol Baskin. That was a great line. Yep. Yes. Um, how long does it typically take you to create a song from start to finish, idea to sending it out? Uh, I... I did a song, a full song, starting from zero, which was the name song the other day in an hour and a half. Wow. And was that all you? Yeah. I, I made the track. I started with the track. I got it to that point I was telling you about. I started writing the lyrics. I recorded the vocals. I mixed the vocals. I finished the track. I mixed the song. I mastered the song. I sent it to the publisher. It was an hour and a half after I started. That's not super typical, um, but I'd say two to three hours. Um, I can probably do the instrumental pretty quick. I mean, I really do try to move quick, Michael. I really do. I am trying to to do three songs a day. That's um, a lot. And on a, on a normal day, it's a work for hire, a collaboration, and one of my own. If you if that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm making a song that's mine. I'm collaborating with someone, and I'm doing a work for hire. A, a good day where I feel good when I'm done my day. My kids come home, and I don't feel like the itch of I have to get back to the basement and finish something is when I've completed those three things, a work for hire, a collaboration, and one of my own. Which brings up an interesting point. I would assume that you really are most desirous of working with collaborators that can keep up with you. Otherwise, while they may be a perfect partner on a musical level, on a business level, by being slow, they could have you blowing deadlines. I guess that's true. And, um, I know who to reach out to when I need something quick and I know who to reach out to when it's just, you know, I just need a collaboration. Um, but more than working with a collaborator that can keep up, it's more about a collaborator that is bringing something to the table that I don't. And that's what, and that's why we land placements because they're, they're not, it's, we're not, you think work with somebody that does what you do. I like working with people that don't do what I do because I already do that. So I would lo I love working with people that make music that I wouldn't be able to make. You know, Scott Horton, Axel Bauer, Vanderbilt, Chuck Henry, those guys like, uh, you know, they're making Matt Hurt. You know, they're making music I don't make. So that's that's what makes it so much fun. Tell Axel I send my best. I haven't heard from him in probably five years or more easily. Actually, Axel's wife just had a baby not too long ago, too. They're having muzzled off Axel. Um, let's talk about being patient and acting professionally. So many people that get into this think, oh, there's a new easy way, easy italicized, for me to make money in the music industry. It's gotta be easier than having a hit record. And they get very impatient when they write stuff that they think is genius. They don't know any of the rules of the game or any of the norms. They don't understand contracts. They don't understand how libraries work. They don't understand the big picture of sync 
but I make great music and nobody's nibbling, biting, using, or paying. Yeah. Um, and then they become unprofessional by lashing out on the taxi forum or on a Facebook group or sending me a nasty email, whatever form it takes. And they don't realize, dude or dudette, you don't yet understand the industry you want to work in and you're taking it out on everybody but your own lack of understanding and do it in a public way, which is probably destroying any hope you have for the future. Would you please address um, how much patience it takes and how to act professionally? Yeah, it, do, it does take patience. And that's where the credo, the right, submit, forget, repeat comes in because you should already, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't have the time to be worrying about, uh, you know, the one song you wrote, you should be on to the next song. Uh, yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, those issues, those are tough because there's that same stigma with the record industry that it's only that it's going to be quick and that I'll be discovered and I'll get that one song and then the floodgates will open. It, it's still all the guys on Taxi TV say the same thing. It's the marathon. It's always been a marathon. It is very possible. It's very possible to make great income. It's very possible to make good income on the side. Uh, but it's not an overnight thing and it's not a one song will discover you will be the next big hit even if a library hears one song and wants 20 that's just the beginning now you got to sign 20 to 20 more libraries you got to sign 20 to 20 more uh you know sync agents you know it's just it's it's always about keeping going so that patience if you're not patient channel it into making more music i can't wait anymore i have to make more music but don't don't bug a publisher don't bang on someone's door um you know, don't say, where's the money? I got a placement last week. Where's the check? <laughs> Again, understand the industry. There are, you know, there's so many taxi TVs on this. There's so many people who have already said, this is how long it takes once you get a placement to see the back end. This is how long it takes once a sink fee lands after the needle drop, how long you'll probably take. This is all information that's freely given. So to be frustrated when one song doesn't land or when you just had a placement and, you know, nine months later, you got 39 cents because it was on a, a blanket deal that MTV had and you're pissed off on the forums, you just weren't paying attention. It's not, it's, I'm not very patient when it comes to that, but professional, uh, yeah, I know, I, I understand that these are, like I said, these are, uh, they're us, they're people like us that are, they got 20 other Kanos that they're working with that day. I can't, they're not like, not on the front of their mind, you know, it's, you know, I've, found out about placements through checks you can't be bugging everybody about where did this go what happened again if you're impatient then just write submit forget and repeat like just get to the next thing if your ocd brain or your add brain whichever one if your brain has ocd and your hands have add make more music <laughs> you know make more music don't 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 get on that keyboard and start clacking if you're on the forums help somebody or ask a question don't get on the forums and and moan it's not nobody's going to win on that and you're going to make more enemies than you are friends and you're going to make less music and less placements by getting out there and complaining and very very frequently the people that complain it's too late if you're complaining you're it's not for you if you're on the forums and you're it's not like one good comment's going to turn them around and be like oh thanks you're right you know they're going to be like oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah so i mean the keyboard warriors will be the keyboard warriors and and the rest of us will keep making music and trying to help each other and give good feedback and try to point the people in the direction of why their stuff's not working or how it could work better. Um, 
signing stuff is easier than placing stuff. You know, there's there's levels. There's levels. Uh, we've got a couple of people that are crusaders. I know them personally, have met them at least, or talked to them, and they're nice people. They're 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 actually really nice people. Um, one that was an issue a couple of weeks ago on the forum, and he called me from uh, London, I believe, or maybe Australia. I think it's Australia. Completely different personality. Could not have been a nicer, more gentleman-like person. And I said, look, I know that there have been some issues on the forum. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, I, I think he might have asked me, can they kick me out? And I said, no, they, they can't. But we don't really run that community. We like the community to run itself. And we only step in when the police needs to be called with a 911, basically. Uh, and I hung up the phone, went, I'd do a road trip with that guy. He was totally awesome to talk to. But people get behind a screen with a certain amount of anonymity and that keyboard with the ADD hands and the stuff they say. Yeah. It's career ruining. We all know each other, including a lot of library owners. They don't want to work with somebody who's a jerk. So yeah. if you're going to be a jerk, and do you it will, private. You will, you will kill, if you do get in there, you'll kill a relationship with a library owner by sending too many emails and you know, questions are available, you know, specifics. Hey, what did you mean by this? All oh, that's fine. You know, those are all great guys too, but the what's going on, where's my check? Where's the placement? You signed my song a year ago. What's the deal? Can I pull it out? You know, you've, you've had library guys and gals oh. on here that always say the same thing. Somebody went to pull their song out, you know, and they pulled it out and then I got a request for it. Or someone who had their song for 20 years in a library just got a $10,000 ad placement because it sat there, yep. you know, for this long happened to have it and they needed it um i have very rarely pulled a song you know you just keep you keep moving and uh i'll just i always try to just help anyone that feels that way especially about taxi i try to let them know that i am the perfect example of somebody who made taxi work taxi worked for me taxi was the vehicle to get me where i needed to be is exactly what you designed it to be is is a vehicle to get some from someone like me who was in the music industry or someone like Matt who wasn't and completely turn their life around and show them the way. So you wow. led the way. Thank you for, the door. for saying that. And you know, it's like a marriage. Um, good marriages that last a long time require work on both parties or from both parties. It's taxi is not a miracle pill. Somebody that doesn't want to do the work and learn the rules of the game and see the big picture of the industry. Um, we help those who help themselves. And you're such a great example of that. You came in with the right attitude. Um, you were fortunate that you started with the skill set that, that gave you probably a faster, a shorter ramp up than others might experience. But we know plenty of people who didn't have your multitude of skills that are equally as successful. Matt Vanderbove, we love you, but he did, he was doing playing, hitting the letter A for the note A on his keyboard when he started out. You know, I mean, literally like prehistoric chops. And, and look at him today. So anybody with the desire and the right attitude and the commitment can be successful. So that's what we're here to do. And it's I not a magic pill any any more than college is a magic pill or a trade school is a magic pill or anything. I mean, I can't imagine how many people come out of school with a medical degree, but we're not all going to have the next, you know, great doctor. You know, there's it's just the education's there. There's never a guarantee. There's no magic pill in any education system. And I feel like taxi is just a great education.
education system that also happens to have incredible opportunities. But take the opportunities away and meeting people at taxi is why I'm successful. Not because you gave me the golden brief. I <laughs> say I got the golden brief from taxi. And since then I've been a millionaire, you know, it's, and, and, and yes, I had a background, but I still messed up the same way everyone else does. I still took five years before I was really successful at it. Just like everyone says, just like all the people talk about the five year plan. I still had to go through the, the ringer. I still had to get rejections. I still had to hear, the hard stuff. I still, you know, I, I had a background in it, but I, it still works out the way you and your popular, the, the people I looked up to, because Vanderbo was my, you know, mentor when I, he was the guy that I wanted to be like when I started Taxi and Owen Chame and those guys, I was like, I need to be like those guys. Um, you know, those, the, 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 the type of mentors that you're creating through Taxi is what, is what makes Taxi continue, not you know, not the fact that you have a magic pill or the, the right brief or he hasn't had that brief. That was only because those briefs were in the 90s. And that's why they had that hit song and they don't ever get those anymore. It's like it's not the, the briefs are a bonus and a, the briefs are how to know what to do and get into the right libraries and get the right understanding. But the education and what you provide and your ability to find the right mentors and and show the examples of people who made it work. That's the difference between this and some of the other sync places that are like, all you got to do is pay, you know, to, you know, this much a month and we'll submit your songs all over the place. Um, you know, th that's the part they're missing. It's not the opportunities that really makes Taxi amazing. It's the community. Well, thank you for saying all that um, goes both ways. I am so grateful that you took the time. You could have done a, a, a song, a, a, an income producing song in the time we just spent online um, and the time you'll spend with me uh, in a month on no November 8th. Um, thank you so much. Give your mom a hug and a kiss on the cheek from me. Um, Absolutely. Can't wait to see you. And uh, I will try remember, I've got a picture of you and Vanderbo. Uh, the, the gaggle of guys, I think at your first rally when you might have been having your first beer and met them. Oh, I, th I think Owen is in there. Terrell's in there. It's like four or five of you guys. Yeah, yeah. And I think that might have awesome. been at least that first day when you met. So I'll try and find that and uh, either send you a digital Never file. Never felt so at home in my life, man. Never felt so at home in my life. Thank you for everything you've done for all of us. I, and that I can speak for us all. When I say thank you, Michael, for what you've done for each and every one of us and anybody that is watching this that's feeling like, uh, you know, you got that little inkling of hope that it's possible. Let me let you know that it's possible. Just get out there and get on the forums. There's successful people all through the place. Get to the rally because the rally is the biggest life changing experience and realize the, the family that's that's here. Thank you, Marcus. Also known as Kano. Um, I will talk to you soon. And uh, yeah, thank you for all this. You were great today. Really appreciate it. Marcus Cohen, ladies and gentlemen, see you next week, same time, same place. Uh, Chuck Henry is going to be my guest next week, although we haven't confirmed that, but I'm sure it'll firm up. I'll see you guys then. Bye-bye.